Hello, and welcome to Tuesday Thanks, presented by Leeds Hospitality Group. I'm your host, Brian Proctor. Join me as we sit down to chat with yet another industry leader. Our guests come from a wide range of professions across the globe. We'll take the time to learn about their journey, where it started, and where they are today. We use this opportunity to allow the guests to thank an individual or individuals that played a key role in their career understand what they learned from the experience and how they have incorporated it into their own development and growth. Gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. Not only can it help your mental well-being, it can also improve your physical health. So join us as we share some great stories, thank a lot of wonderful people, and of course, share some laughs. Let's do this. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Tuesday's Thanks. I'm excited to be joined today by Ray Titus, founder and CEO of the United Franchise Group. The franchising business is definitely in Ray's blood as his father, Roy Titus, is somewhat of a legend in the franchising industry as the founder of Minuteman Press. From one Sinorama location in 1986, Ray has grown UFG into a global company currently with 11 brands, over 1,600 franchisees in 80 companies. Ray, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Brian, and it's my pleasure to be on your podcast. Fantastic. Well, listen, I'm just going to dive right in because we got a lot of cut to cover today. And so as a young guy growing up in Florida, how does franchising come to the forefront of you with your education at St. John's and Florida Southern College. How does that all come together? Well, I go back beyond, before Florida. Uh, I was in Long Island in New York, um, in Oyster Bay, which is my hometown. Oh. And I grew up there and graduated from St. Dominic's in Oyster Bay and had a great childhood. My, my dad had started Minuteman Press, as you mentioned, and we were always involved with the family business in different aspects. In fact, my eighth grade paper was how to start a franchise company, and I interviewed my dad. So I've actually been in franchising my entire life, and I don't know any other way. And But I played basketball growing up and really loved basketball like my dad did, and he taught me the, the sport and played at St. Dominic's, and we had great teams, and uh, went on f uh, to have a basketball scholarship at up at St. John Fisher in Rochester, New York. And then I transferred to Florida Southern in Lakeland, Florida. And that's really where the Florida bug came in. So after going to school for two years at Florida Southern, I moved back home to Long Island and always knew in the back of my head, I'm going to get back to Florida somehow or some way at some time down the road. And uh, it came fairly quickly after that. But we started uh, Sinorama in 1986 in New York on Long Island in Farmingdale. And that business built up and, and we grew that business. We had a great team and started franchising. And we've never looked back after that. As you mentioned, today we have 11 brands and 1,600 franchisees in 80 countries worldwide. And it's, you know, it's great to see what you can accomplish as a team and in, in working together. So let's go back to those early days. Why Sinorama? How does, how does that come to your attention? 
Well, you know, my dad and I, when we, we started having meetings about, you know, what's the next business? And and we had have Minuteman Press is still in my family. My older brother, Bob, and his son, Nick, run that company. And they're still based on Long Island. And, you know, they do well. But we were looking for another business because my dad actually came in my office and he said, I got good news and bad news for you. What do you want first? And I said, you know, give me the good news first. He said, you look like, you know, here, you're going to have a great future in business. Like it's going to really, you're going to do really well. And I said, well, thanks, dad. You know, he wasn't a guy that threw out a ton of compliments that way. And I thought that was nice. And I said, well, what's the bad news? He says, it's not going to be with this company. And so I said, are, are you firing me, right? And he, we laughed, right? He said, no, we've got to find another business. Because I was questioning a lot of things that were going on. And the answers I, w- I was getting constantly was, that's the way we always have done it. And for me, I don't accept that. I can't accept that answer. And so there was a little push back uh, there. And um, I wasn't the easiest person when I was younger that way. So it was better that I we found another business and we researched a ton of different businesses and came up with the sign business. And, and it it was very similar to printing in that it had colors and logos and graphic arts and type styles. And we could utilize a, a lot of our strengths and, but it was a completely different industry. And so we opened up the first Signorama on Long Island in 86 and had a, a great team to make that business go. I mean, for me, that was uh, an incredible time of building and growing, and we proved the model. And a year later, we started franchising. And that's kind of like when I became, I was like a pea in a pod at that point, because I know franchising really well. I didn't know the sign business. I had to learn the sign business. But when we started franchising, then it, we really started rolling in, in the business. And, and because I knew what I was doing at that point with the franchise company. So obviously today's very different in the way you can communicate to franchisees and really grow a business. Back in 87, we didn't have all the technology you have now. How hard was it to grow a new brand or a new company like you were doing with Signorama? Because you didn't have the internet like we have now. No, you didn't have uh, the same things that we had today. I mean, there was no GPS. You had to use a map in your glove compartment and pull it out and when you were driving. But we didn't have the internet. Fax machine was just introduced that year. I remember the thermal paper and the ink war, you know, coming off of the paper. And so it wasn't a technology. It, it was a face-to-face. It was, we were using technology to make the signs with computers and vinyl cut lettering. But from a Growing the brand side, Brian, the trade shows, the franchise trade shows were great. Advertisements in Entrepreneur Magazine were were great. Uh, this was all before, you know, the internet came along and really crushed the trade shows and took away a lot of the revenue from the magazines and other areas. So, but we didn't know any different. Like we didn't know, I had a telephone on my desk and nothing else and we didn't know any different. So we just, we just built it and worked and it's a great business. And, and then we added another great business with fully promoted and promotional products. And then another great business with Transworld, the business brokerage and another great business in co-working with VentureX. And so we just have kept adding these 
different businesses. And now we're so diversified. We have a food division with three food businesses in it. We have um, the Great Greek, Gray's Craze, and Cannoli Kitchen Pizza, um, which is great. And then Snap Chef, which is another business which helps hire staff in restaurants. And and that area has blossomed and, and grown. Network Lead Exchange is our networking franchise. So We've continued to build and grow the the co-working brands that we have, VentureX and Office Evolution, both have have really done extremely well as well. So we we're seeing that diversification of brands. But when we go back in time, you know, starting out in and start franchising in '87 and just build Sinorama, I always have to remind people that we didn't open up another brand until uh, 2000. So those first 13 years, 12, 13 years, we were just Sinorama. Then we added a second brand and a third brand, and our shirts started looking like NASCAR racers. And so we had to come up with a brand, uh, a brand that we could put on our shirts, and we have United Franchise Group that we came up with. And so we kind of did it after we had the brands, not first, and, and then have grown from there. And, and have seen that. But look, without my dad, none of this happens. Uh, I was blessed to have the childhood I had, to have the parents that I had. My mom and dad were amazing and gave me the freedom and, and just uh, amazing. We were laughing the other day because today kids go to college and, you know, they go with the parents, go with them and visit all the schools and ask all the questions and they're involved in everything. And I actually remember driving to school. I did two different schools, and I, I drove to Florida by myself, went to visit schools, signed a scholarship uh, when I was there, and drove back home. And my mom said, how'd it go? And I said, it went great. I, I signed a scholarship. And she said, oh, that's great. And she didn't even know what town I was going to in Florida. Like, it was a, it was a different world back then. And I've seen the change over the years. And some good changes, and some maybe not not so great, but the communication side has been amazing. I mean, here we are on a podcast. Uh, we do streaming video out to our franchise owners. During the pandemic, I was on video every week with all the whole system talking about products we're selling and who they need to go to and what they need to do to make it through this time. And, you know, I, I had a lot of franchise owners thank me because they said that was their one piece of positive that they got that week, you know, coming from my video that would go out every live stream every single week. And now we, we do it once a month and, and get it out there. But yeah, the communication, it was just as important as it is today, but it was just done differently, Brian. Yeah. And so were you able to piggyback on the success of Minuteman hmm. to kind of get Sinorama out there? Did dad De allow that? Definitely. Definitely. Like there were some early players in the Minuteman business. Gary Rockwell, who was the Rockwells of family friends, and he was my dad's right hand guy. And for 50 years, he worked for my dad and he took me under his wing and we, you know, roomed together. My first trip with him was six weeks and, and we went on the road. So he became a mentor of mine and, you know, wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for my dad and, and Gary Rockwell. And then other Minuteman guys like Jimmy Reedus and Norman Reedus and, you know, Jim Galasso and 
Oh, Burt Pales. There were so many of the Minuteman, Harlan Monford, and so many of them that I learned from and grew from, you know, Jimmy Martin and so many of these guys that I, I was able to take this key line and, and work with them on this and learn a little bit about this. And, you know, uh, Ray Makatura, uh, who I was named after, by the way, his nickname is Jocko. He, he was fantastic, and he taught me a lot as well. So those early Minuteman people that helped build Minuteman Press helped Sinorama tremendously in the early stages through that. And so what I wanted to do was learn from every one of them and take a little from this one and take a little from that one and hopefully the good things, right? And we all yeah. have good and bad, right? And and so, and put it together and build a team. And, but mostly from my dad too, you know, leading that. But in 89, my dad came in my office again and said, I got good news and bad news for you. <laughs> and I said, what's the good news? And he said, you're doing amazing with Sinorama. Because at that point we were exploding. We were adding stores everywhere and, and growing. And we knew we had something big at that point. And I said, thanks. And what's the bad news? And he said, you got to find your own office. Because I was actually had people in hallways and, uh, and closets and everywhere else. And the fire marshal was in and said, you, you, you guys can't do this, right? And so yeah. I looked around and the real estate was very expensive in New York and at that time. And um, couldn't afford what I really wanted to do. I also thought about it and said, this could be the opportunity uh, to get back to Florida. And so between Christmas and New Year's of 1989, we moved the whole company to Florida and opened up our own office. And so those, we were in the Minuteman headquarters for those first three years, and they were formative years. They really helped set the foundation for the organization. And we knew we had something at that point and moved to Florida and it was, you know, the sky's the limit after that. So if you look back with such a long time between when you launched Sinorama and then you started bringing in other companies slash brands, do you think back and say, why did we wait so long? Or was there a reason or is that just the way it kind of evolved? Well, you know, you always wish it did the good things earlier in your life. I mean, everybody would say, yeah, I wish I would have done other brands that have been highly successful, but it wouldn't have been successful if we had done it earlier. We had to go through maturing. We had to grow and, and learn. And we were running a strategic planning session and I hired somebody for that session and she was great, and she did an amazing job facilitating the strategic plan. And at the end of the whole thing, this was we were just Sinorama, she was going, I'm confused. Are, are you a sign company or a franchise company? And what are you, right? And one of my people stands up and says, look, we've been doing this for three days. You should know by now we're a franchise company. The franchisees are the sign company, and they're in the sign business. We're in the franchising business. We train people. We support them, and we're in the franchise business. And she says, okay, but I just have one more question. It was like the old Columbo show, you know, like we were, yeah. you know, I just have one more question. And everyone was like, what? And she goes, if you're in a franchise company, how come you only have one? And everybody just looked around. And I said, send me your bill. We got it from here. And she left. And I 
shut the door and I looked at everybody and I said, why do we only have one? What are we doing? Yeah. And at that point, we started to look at different businesses and we started to, you know, develop and we came across promotional products and embroidery and as a business and we're able to look at that industry, a completely different industry again and started that business. And that's what led us into the next one and the next one and the next one because then we started changing our mentality, which we were a franchisor and we were really good at selling franchises, really good at training franchisees, really good at setting up franchise owners and helping them become successful in the business. And then we were able to really just kind of multiply that and and never look back. You know, today I'm 60, just turned 60 in December. Uh, I have three kids that are all in the business, three nephews all in the business. And we even have 15 second generation employees in our business. It's 30, well, it's going on almost 38 years now. And so it's just, we're an unusual organization in that we're privately held, we're family run, we haven't sold out, and we've completely diversified and grown this organization. And many, many of the franchise companies out there that make it big end up selling off to private equity firms, they end up going public. Like we're in co-working, Regis is the biggest player. They're a publicly traded company. The second is WeWork. They're a publicly traded company. And we're the third. And we have two brands, and we're number three. In the sign business, we're number one with Signorama. Number two is owned by private equity. Number three is private equity. And you can just go through every single industry. And I, I was recently at a franchise show, and the promoter pulled me aside and said, Hey, Ray, I don't want to... I don't want to scare you, but you're like a dinosaur. Uh, and I said, well, I don't know how to take that. That doesn't sound like a compliment to me. And he said, no, no, it's a compliment. You're like the last one standing. Because if I look around at every one of these booths, they've, they're either brand new and just starting, or if they're successful, they've sold out. They've sold, they've retired, they've moved on. But And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody d- builds a business for different reasons. And and different times in life, um, my goal has always been to build a business and pass it on to the next generation because I was fortunate enough to have a dad who thought that way as well. And, I mean, who invests a couple hundred thousand dollars into a 23-year-old kid to run a business? Yeah. Who signs a store lease? Who, who does, like, you know, I mean, he, my dad just had so much faith in, me to to work hard and to do this and and he really wanted us to all have our own businesses and he looked at that as one of his goals and so I look at it part of my goal is to pass the business on to the next generation but I've been training these boys and 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 our team for years I say boys because I have three boys and my sister has three boys <laughs> we're, we're getting our girls now because we have uh, two daughter-in-laws and we have two granddaughters uh, and so, but yeah, I mean, look, if I was looking back and giving thanks, it, obviously my parents first and my dad for business, but I mentioned all the Minuteman guys, but I, you know, my wife, Andrea and I, we got married in 1989 in August 
And I said, someday I want to live in Florida. And she was like, yeah, that's great. Someday we'll, we'll go to Florida. And that was August. We moved in December of that year. And, you know, I took a, a girl from Brooklyn and Long Island to Florida. And then I got on the road and I was on the road, you know, 90% of my time. Yeah. So, you know, that was tough. And, but the next person in the line was her dad, JJ, who became my general manager and for 20 years. And when I was interviewing him, my dad and my older brother told me it was going to be the biggest mistake I would ever make in business was hiring my father-in-law. Right. And because he said they were, and they were kind of right on one side, they said, how are you going to fire him if he's not good? And, but fortunately for me and, and our company, he was not just good, he was great. And he was the adult in the room when we needed that growing a business. And he was fantastic with the franchise owners. He was fantastic with the staff. He started our mentor program with the franchisees. You know, we have um, the J.J. Prendamano Library here named in his honor. We do a scholarship in his honor. And, and so he was a big part of our growth. And, and I was very close to him. And his wife, Suzanne, lives with, with Andrea and I. And she has for seven years now since he passed. Mm. So... Uh- Question. I come from the hospitality field, right? So Starwood Hotels and everything and all the big brands and obviously a big franchising component. Yep. And so in our world, you know, we went through this asset light, selling off all the assets and doing more franchising versus managed deals. But we always kept a core base of managed properties so that we could experiment, we could test, we could try and we could show franchisers and owners we're in it with you because we've got skin in the game. Is that the same in your world? Like, do you guys own and manage some of these brands or are you totally just franchising? We are totally just a franchisor, but we get the best of both worlds. Like what you're talking that Starwood did. We do that with our franchise owners. We partner with them to test different things and work with them in different capacities. Right here in West Palm Beach, our headquarters is 60,000 square feet, and we have training centers for every one of our brands. So there is a kitchen. There is counters and role-playing, and each one of our businesses are are done here as well. So we rely on our franchisees, our vendors, our suppliers, and we work together with them to come up with these, you know, new ideas or the next best thing. But it's much faster when it's with franchise owners. Okay, Mm -hmm. let me give you an example. In the pandemic, when the pandemic hit, look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that we were prepared. Nobody was prepared for it, but Bill Gates. I mean, like, he's the only guy, right? Seven years prior, he warned us of a pandemic, and nobody listened anyway. But so we didn't know what we were going to do. And but we had a group of us early on got together, and then we started calling franchise owners, talk to them. Let's find out what's working, what isn't working. And we pulled out from them, what should we be doing? What should we be selling? How do we do this? Like all of a sudden a Sinorama owner said, you know, I noticed they, they got to have something on the floor to tell people to stand six feet apart in every retail outlet that has nothing on their floors right now. This is a huge market that we should penetrate. And we killed it, right? Then yeah. we had another Sinorama owner that called me up in March of the pandemic and said, Ray, 
If I were you, I would buy every piece of clear plexiglass that you can get your hands on. And I said, why? And we started sneeze guards and this whole thing, right? So we had a team of us out with every vendor, every supplier we bought. We had the largest inventory of clear plexiglass in the world, okay? And, And we, our franchise owners, between all our franchise owners. And so we were able to get those out there to all the retail outlets. And we pivoted our business during the pandemic. And we actually had franchise owners that set sales records. I'll tell you a crazy, a crazy thing. You know how strong Australia was with mm-hmm. the pandemic. People couldn't go outside of their house for more than an hour. The government was not allowing them outside, okay, which is bizarre, but that's another whole topic, right? But we had Sinorama stores in Australia that set sales records, and they weren't allowed out of their house. They were on their computers, they were able to do business, and they they were resilient, and they got through it. And so when you're a company that's privately held like ours and family-run and longstanding employees that have been with you for so long, we were able to pivot quicker than most businesses out there, and that's for each one of our brands. Like in, in co-working, everybody shut down, right? Everybody shut down. We didn't shut down. And people were saying, how are you staying open? And we weren't telling them, but I'll tell you now, it's, it was pretty easy. We have mailboxes. And so because we deliver the mail, we had to be open. Mm-hmm. These other co-working sites had mailboxes too, but they thought they had to be shut down. So we just used that as a way to stay open during some of the craziest times. And we were able to get a lot of business and we're able to position ourselves really well because again, being privately held and, and being run the way we are, we don't have to go through, you know, the shareholders and go through the, the everything else there, committees and everything else. We were able to move really quick and that's yeah. what got us through it. Well, yeah. And that's gotta be the key, right? The entrepreneurial spirit being privately held, you know, having a, a goal and driving towards it. And so speaking of pivoting, would I be wrong in assuming that the majority of UFG's time, you were a B2B franchise group? What changed to say, hey, let's go B2C in the food division? Yeah, that's a great question, Brian. And I look, I've had to admit this a thousand times to people, and I will continue to, to say it. Because our first 20 years in business, I said, we're never getting into food. Okay. I was the one in front of our whole team saying, this is our focus and this is what we're going to do. And we're not just going to, but deep down inside, if you're at a conference and you're at a trade show in franchising, and you know, 40% of the industry is in the food industry. At some point, if we were going to be a big player, I knew we were going to have to get into food. Right. And so we had to look at this and come to the determination that United Franchise Group was going to be one of the biggest players in franchising. And if we're going to be one of the biggest players in franchising, how could we ignore the food industry if it's almost half of the industry? So we, we've embraced it. We hired food people. We had some people on staff that had food backgrounds. Fortunately, we were able to move them into the food division, which is called Big Flavor Brands. 
and you know, big flavor brands. And our co-working division is called Coworks. Okay. And so Big Flavor Brands now has got three brands and they're all growing brands and expanding. And it's great to see, but we've embraced it. And so now we're not just in a B2B. Now we're not just in B2C. We're not just, we are a complete diversified organization. And we're open to looking at literally any industry. Like we could get into, we're in hiring now. We're in staffing, we're in signs, obviously, and promotional products and networking and co-working and all different food businesses. But as you look at this, we also run the world's largest business brokerage. People, you know, Transworld Business Advisors is the largest business brokerage in the world. And we started that 12 years ago. And, you know, with one operation out of Fort Lauderdale, my partner, Andy Cagnetta and I, and we brought in great people and we moved Bill Luce over from, you know, he's been with us for about 30 years now and he's the president at Transworld and does an outstanding job with the team there. And now Transworld has gotten to the point where they're actually feeding other brands people for, for instance, the Bill's right-hand man was Corey Hibbard. Corey actually came from Palm Beach Atlantic University where we have the Titus Franchise Center. And he worked his way up through the organization. And today he's the president of Gray's Craze. And he moved over from Transworld. So now Transworld is starting to feed other brands as Sinorama has done over the years. And so, you know, it all goes back to those first years in the Sinorama store when I had uh, the good fortune of hiring Jim Tatum. And JT is, it was been my right-hand man for over 30 years. And he is, you know, he, he's one of the main, main foundational pieces of this company that helped us get to where we are today. Grandkids were in uh, Greenville, South Carolina. Him and his wife decided they wanted to live in Greenville, South Carolina. Today, JT owns Transworld in Greenville, South Carolina, and, and several other areas in Asheville and other areas. He runs a, a business brokerage there, and but he still sits on our board, and uh, he'll always be involved in the company, and uh, I'll always be involved in his life, and he and I feed each other. He feeds into my kids. I help his, and, you know, we work. We work together. Yeah, and so having worked in an environment that's global in nature, right? Starwood Hotels, I was COO at Bridge Street Global Housing, we had offices, you know, all over. But how does that work in your part of the world as, as it relates to franchising? How does that kind of come together to start saying, hey, we're gonna, you know, you're in 80 countries, for God's sake, that's huge. Mm-hmm. How does that all come together? One step at a time. <laughs> like, how do you eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time, right? So early stages, there were critical places that we felt opportunity calling us. And one was Australia. And I had somebody that offered us a ton of money for Australia. And I went to my dad, as I often did in the early years, he was my mentor. And I went to him and I said, hey, dad, I got this big offer for Australia for Sinorama. What do you think? And it was a lot of money. And at least for me at that time, it was a lot of money. And he said something I'll never forget. He said, Ray, for what you're giving them, is that a lot of money or a little money? And I said, I don't know. I've never been to Australia. 
And he said, sounds like you got to get your ass on a plane and go to Australia. So I did. I flew to Australia. I was there. I set up a meeting with the Franchise Association president of Australia, attorneys, accountants, franchise consultants. You know, I had 15 appointments a day. After two days, I decided I wasn't selling Australia. I was keeping it. And then I also decided I was going to find somebody to move to Australia and help run this thing. And I found a fellow named Howard Greenfield, who was a regional vice president for us in California at the time. And he said, I'll move to Australia. I'll take my wife. We'll move to Australia. The young couple, he was really good. He said, but I'll only do it if you commit to come once a quarter for three years. He said, I know if you come and you commit to this, that we'll run it successfully, that we'll, we'll kick it, right? And it'll be great. And I shook hands and said, I'll do it. And I've been to Australia 51 times. Wow. And we have 103 Sinoramas in Australia. We have 55 fully promoted in Australia. We have a VentureX opening there. We have Transworld there. We have Gray's Craze opening this year in Australia. It has become a great part of our company, and it was a stepping stone for Asia. And we saw it that way. And then we looked at, yeah, we went to Canada, and that was pretty easy because Toronto is like, you know, Boston or New York or anywhere else. It was easy. But then the jump over to the U.K. and France, and then the jump to South Africa. Again, getting on planes, going there, you know, committing and, and putting the time and effort into it. I did a lot of these trips by myself. I did some of them with Tony Foley, who was a, who's retired now, but was a, a big part of our organization. And big thanks to Tony for helping expand and grow our international department. And Jeff Thompson runs it now. But, and Tipton Schankweiler, who's our president of Accurate Franchising, which we haven't even mentioned, but we have another 10 companies that are not franchise brands that are actual companies that service franchises. Uh, we have franchise real estate, which, help, which helps companies find locations and negotiate leases. We have accurate franchising, which turns people's businesses into franchises. My, my wife accuses me of having my own personal shark tank here at West mm -hmm. Palm Beach. And sometimes that is really, really true. That happened to us with a couple of our brands. So we have several different companies in that way. But the international side... It takes a commitment. I mean, I've been all over the world, you know, five times over. Been to China five times. The uh, first time I went to China, there were a lot of bicycles and not a lot of cars. The last time I was in China, there were a lot of cars and not a lot of bicycles, okay? Over the last uh, 20 years, that place has changed unbelievable. And so India, same thing. As we have Sinorama in India, we have VentureX in India, we have Transworld in India. So... You know, we've expanded, and by getting those footprints, getting, getting them out there and looking at how do we go from here to there to, you know, and connecting the dots. But look, Brian, I, I would tell you, and someone told me a long time, the people are going to follow the leader. If the leader decides that they're going to do international like I did and commit to international, then the team's going to commit to international. And that's what's happened. So yeah. our team is completely committed to our international partners and growing it. And it's through master licenses that we do it. We don't run it 
other than Australia, we do Australia direct. Uh, we mm-hmm. have 25 employees in Australia. We just sold our building in Australia because we're building out the first Venture X in Australia. And we're going to move our headquarters and be based out of that first Venture X in Australia. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it is. It's going to be really, really neat. And the employees are really uh, excited about that. But look, you, you can't do what I did over the last you know, 40 years without having the support at home. And my wife is, you know, I I know a lot of people would debate with me, but my wife's the best wife. Like she's a number one. And, you know, we're on the same page and we have three great kids. They all work with the business now and they're building their own families now. And so it's that, it's that support. And we're also strong Christians. So we, we have a faith and that faith has helped us in our marriage. It's helped us in life, and it's helped us raise great kids. It's helped us, and you know, going to church every week has helped us tremendously. And we've got a great church. Well, let's keep on that strand of faith and support, and let's talk a little bit about your UFG Foundation because I know that's near and dear to your heart. What are you doing there? Well, you know, we have what we call UFG Cares. And uh, you know, C A R E S, and we give back in different communities that get hit by uh, catastrophes. You know, a hurricane hits somewhere. Everybody's you know feels first for the people, and obviously we do as well. Uh, but from a business standpoint, it, we have to look at our people. We have franchisees in in areas where there have been you know terrible earthquakes and terrible situations. So we band together and, and help support them. We also are very big into education. You know, look, we believe the future is not ourselves, it's the kids. It's the, the next generation. And so that's why we have the Titus Franchise Center. My daughter-in-law, Laura, is taking a real strong interest in the foundation and that side of the business. And she's organizing it and working toward getting it to another whole level. And so that's great that that we can have that relationship together and and spend time in that regard as well. So, you know, we're always looking for ways that we can make a difference with our franchise owners and in their communities, and our foundation is a part of that. We have the J.J. Prendamano Scholarship at Palm Beach Atlantic University. Just so happens Palm Beach Atlantic is in downtown West Palm Beach. This is where we're based. My oldest son went to Palm Beach Atlantic University. His wife went to Palm Beach Atlantic University. Our church is next door to PBA. And so there is a huge tie-in here, and, and we're very tight, okay, uh, with that. And so that's important, and we do, uh, you know, not only have done that, but the school is expanding, their business school is expanding, and we're involved in that and, and give back to that, and we'll have some classrooms and, and lecture halls and and things like UFG will be all over that place. So we're we're excited about that and helping them expand and grow as well. Yeah, well, that's a great legacy, right, that you're going to have, that you're going to be able to carry on generations from now. 
That's uh-huh. the idea. You know, there it says the Titus Franchise Center right on the right on the building, and that's really what we're looking at. You know, passing on to the next generations. You know, it. it I told my oldest son that you know having that sign on the building that probably helped him date some girls over there at Palm Beach Atlantic, but he didn't use that at all. And actually, the the sign went up after he was out, so he didn't. He didn't. I know if when I if, when I was in college, I definitely would have used that. Okay, I needed that. I needed some help. So, well, as we talked about earlier, I do a podcast with no video because I've got the face for radio. So, yeah, like you, I definitely would have used that if my old man's name was on a building. No, no problem, no problem. But absolutely. But you know, look, we you you only do you do these things, and and it's great. You know, I'm I'm the CEO. I'm the founder, and I do get some accolades and 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 get you know brought on stage for things, but. I represent such a great team and without people like you look at that are still with the company, a Jim Butler who has grown up in the company and has been with me for 30 years, a Nick Bruckner who has not only grown up in the business, okay, he actually played for the Jets for four years, okay, and then he came into business and and has been with me for 30 years. His son is with us for 10 years now. So it's this it's this family business that is supporting family businesses. Like our franchise owners are family businesses, but they also know they, they call our cell phones. Like we're not, we're not publicly traded. We're not a private equity firm. They know us. I mean, I, I speak at every convention. My first, my first slides that what I share with the franchise owners are pictures of my granddaughters. Okay. Like this is not, well, you know, corporate America. I mean, they would, they would cringe, at, you know, at these things, right? I show my family. I show, you know, like, we're talking family to family. And that puts us in a different level with our franchise owners. Now, that's not to say we don't have any challenges or people that that, that go rogue or, or look at us, you know, as the bad guys or whatever. That's always going to be the case, right? If yep. people start their own business, the last place most people want to look is in the mirror. Right. And so, you know, we, we do a graduation and our franchisees graduate and they hope, I mean, we've been doing this for 30 years. And so, but we had a recent graduate said, if I fail, it's because of you. And I, I went right back at him and I said, are you out of your mind? Like we get 6%, you're 94%. Show me in anything where somebody's a 94% owner and they're not the ones that are responsible for their success or failure. You need to look in the mirror. Yeah. Like that, that's, you know, and so you're always going to have that. But when you, when you have people like Bill Luce who runs Transworld and AJ, my oldest son who runs Sinorama for the last five years and Brady Lee, who's our COO and he's my nephew and he's been here for 10 years and his brothers, Shane and Dustin and Austin, who's now the point person for Cannoli Kitchen and, and heads up our, our networking business and Andrew, my youngest, who's the president fully promoted. He's 26 years old. And, you know, but when I sit with the franchise owners, we were up in Canada together. We have 25 franchisees in Canada, and we did the conference together. Andrew did a presentation, and, and then I, got a Q, I had a Q&A, and they're asking me, you know, about my youngest son, who's now the president of this company, and how is this possible? And I said, well, I was 23 when I did it. 
And this kid's a lot smarter than I was, <laughs> okay? So I, I can tell you right now, you're in good hands. And now I get the cards, I get the emails, I get the franchise owners saying, thank you. Now we see it. Now we understand it. Because when I announced it, it was like, oh, Ray's putting his son in this spot. They don't realize this kid earned it, right? And I make every one of them earn it. And, and so it's important. But, you know, like you go to Australia, and we have such a great team there. Mike Gallagher's been with me for years, Evan Foster for years. He's now director of, of operations for International, and he's based in Australia, and he travels all over the world. Tim Smith, who runs our operation down in Australia, or Rosie, who handles Fully Promoted, and Matt, who handles Sinorama, and the sales team down there, uh, you know, and as you go through Susanna and the different salespeople, Phil and, and Mike Gallagher that do that, that help grow the brand. And, and that's so critical as you go through it. But if, if I didn't mention this one guy to give thanks to, we have a guy that's on our staff now for about, about 15 years. And he's our director of sales. He's the chief revenue officer, right? He started in a Sinorama store selling signs. And he was really good. And I get a call from the franchise owner who says, my sales guy is really good and I am not going to be able to keep him because he's going to make a lot more money than I can pay him. You ought to take him. That's the kind of relationship we have with our franchise owners. Yeah. Okay. And I had to sit down with him. He became a regional vice president, did a great job doing that, moved right up in the company became a president of VentureX. He's our chief revenue officer. Michael White is his name. And he just does an outstanding job with the company. And we couldn't do what we do as an organization without Michael. Yeah. Well, I see a HBO show in your future to follow up on succession now that that's ended <laughs> i don't know if you'd have the drama no, that they have no we would got the we, enclave we, we would have look i i think that that special would be a lot of fun and we would have a lot of laughs but it would be a lot more comedy than you know because nobody wants to kill anybody here and nobody well, that's good. yeah yeah i mean and nobody's trying to take me out as the you know the ceo and and all the craziness that goes on at succession and all those things right but you know it's funny i was having a talk about that show recently with a, a fellow named jack harlow and jack is a uh, a rapper he's a, a pretty famous rapper these days, Brian. And uh, he's done a lot of things. But what people didn't realize is I've known Jack since he was, a, you know, a little kid, little kid, because his parents own a Sinorama. And, you know, I remember his mom, you know, saying, well, he's doing really good on YouTube. And I was like, how much money do you make on YouTube? Like, this kid needs to go to college, right? And she's like, no, nah, I think he's going to do the rap thing. And I was like, the rap thing? You know, he's a, you know, he's a redheaded white kid from Kentucky, and he's going to be a rapper? And now he's a superstar. Yeah. You know, my wife and I flew to a show in Vegas, and he's just he just did White Man Can't Jump. He did the remake of the movie. Oh, and okay. Yeah, he's he's the lead in that movie. Oh, and that's awesome. so, yeah, it's just great to see. But when you build relationships with people and you're part of their lives, 
it's amazing what they do. And I'm glad they didn't listen to my advice because <laughs> he wouldn't be where he is today if he'd listened to me. Okay. But, but yeah, I mean, there'd be, a, a, we'd have a lot of fun. I think it'd be more like hard knocks, you know, like they do the behind the scenes with the football teams than, than it would be like secession. That's too funny. So listen, it, it's Tuesday. And I know you've, I, you know, I gave up writing all the names you were thanking already, <laughs> because I, I think I have writer's cramp, but which is the whole purpose of this show is yes. to, to give thanks to people. Is there anyone else that you'd like to add? Or have you pretty much I mean, you've got a big list here. Well, I, I I try to acknowledge as many people. And whenever you start doing that, you always miss people, right? Exactly. And, and so it's like awards at, with franchise owners. You know, you're always going to miss somebody. You're always going to have somebody that felt they should have gotten this or should have gotten that. You know, look, I mentioned my faith earlier. I didn't mention our pastor. J- Jimmy Scroggins is an amazing pastor, and he's just become a good friend as well. And his family, I've actually coached his kids in basketball. And I was a JV basketball coach for 10 years. I had my kids and I had a lot of other kids that that I had and brought them in. And in, in here at UFG, we have, a, we have a gym here in the building. So we have a half-court gym and I used to run practices in the gym. And But we had a lot of fun with that. So Jimmy would be somebody that is special in my life. And I have a lot of really strong friends that have become almost, you know, fa- their family, really. But they really are family because we're so close that their kids are marrying. Like, it's it's almost inbreeding a little bit. But, you know, so, for instance, I mentioned Brady Lee, right? Brady mm-hmm. Lee, our COO, he's marrying this month our best friend's daughter, okay, who we've known since she was born, Okay, and she went to school with my boys at King's Academy. And, you know, Montana Lowe and Brady are marrying later this month. And so, you know, and it's just amazing, like, to see that interaction and, and to see that now they're, they're family. And my sister, Ellen, whose three boys work with me, we're very close. And now she's going to be her (laughs) daughter-in-law like it's it's so uh, you know i i don't know i I was from new york so we used to make fun of southern states that did this and now i'm a part of it in a southern state so i resemble that remark and and deserve every sarcastic joke that my friends in long island would say exactly well listen this has been fun i could talk to you for a couple more hours you've had such an incredible journey you've created such a legacy with this with your family and extended family at this point. So congratulations to you. You should be very proud of what you've accomplished. And I'm sure your dad, same thing, your mom and dad, very proud of everything. So I'll end it like I always do. You know, folks, if it's Tuesday, let's get out there and thank some folks. They're going to appreciate it and you're going to feel good doing it. So Ray, once again, thanks so much for doing the show. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Brian. And thank you for doing this podcast, because I think it's so critical that people give thanks to others and it encourages everybody to to do the right things and and so thank you very much for this well thanks again for being on the show have a great day hope you enjoyed the show today and thanks so much for tuning in we really appreciate it 
If you would like to be a guest on the show so that you can thank someone for their role in your career, please reach out to me via our Tuesday Thanks website at www.tuesdaysthanks.com. Remember, a sincere thank you goes a long way to making someone feel appreciated and can make their day. So until next time, be well, be safe, and please don't be afraid to tell someone thanks. Chat soon.